glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, there's two key words here, I will, I will, be thou clean. Verse 42, and as soon as he had spoken immediately, the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, see thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter. Thank you. You may be seated. And again, uh, and you can pray for me. This was not my plan this morning. I said we'd pray. We'll pray now in just a moment. You pray with me if you would. I believe this is the direction the Lord's speaking this morning. If you were here the final night of Vacation Bible School, we brought a thought from this text along these very lines, but I believe this is where the Lord has us today. So if you're saved, be praying. Perhaps there's somebody among us who's not, and be praying for the Lord to speak through the message this morning. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we come to you again in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for each and every one assembled here in this room this morning. Uh, Lord, we, we desire and pray that we might hear from you and what we've heard already from you through the printed page. But as your word is now brought to light and, and preached as you've commanded it to be done, I'm asking in Jesus' name that you would bless it, Lord, with working in hearts to be receptive to the truths that are given. Lord, you give your word on purpose. It is that we might know the truth concerning you, Lord, that we might have eternal life. And uh, Lord, we thank you that you not only have given eternal life in Christ, but Lord, you give it to those who trust you. And Lord, you would have us to know that we have eternal life according to your word. And so I pray, may you minister your word to us according to your knowledge of every heart this morning. Lord, please help me, I pray, in no way to hinder uh, what you want said. But Lord, use me, I pray, to communicate clearly your mind. And Lord, I pray that each one of us would know that we are responding to you uh, as we respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In these uh, few verses, there are six verses here we just read, it is the account of one of many, many miracles that the Lord Jesus performed while on this earth. And I want to go ahead and read what I referenced a few minutes ago in John chapter 20. It's John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I want to read it to you. I kind of quoted part of it, and I botched it a little bit, so I want to read these verses to you. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Uh, John being the penman under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he said, and many other signs... Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So the the miracles that Jesus uh, wrought while on this earth, all that we have recorded are not all the ones he did. Uh, There's more that were done that were not recorded. But he says this, verse 31, But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. God's purpose in writing scripture. Second Timothy uh, chapter 3 verse 15 says, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. God's intent is 
to give salvation. That's why he sent Christ Jesus into the world. But to bring us to the point where we put personal trust in Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. This is the work of the Holy Spirit of God on the heart of an unbelieving person, someone who says, I've heard about Jesus, I maybe have heard that I'm a sinner, all these things. God specifically has given Scripture with the intent and the recording, especially of His miracles, to bring the individual to personal trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life. This morning, obviously you have physical life. Your body is sitting here. But physical life and spiritual life are not the same thing. Eternal life is obtained through faith in a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ Jesus is received when when we put our personal trust in him. When we are persuaded that the statement that Jesus is the Christ is not just a statement of some religious sect's persuasion, but it is an actual statement of divine truth that Jesus was not a... He was not merely a religious leader that a lot of people have decided, yeah, we'll trust him. I heard a very well-known preacher some years ago being interviewed on public television. He was asked, if a good Buddhist died, would God send him to hell because he's not believed on Christ? He said, I'll, I'll say it to you this way. We're all betting on something. These are his words. We're all betting. And this man was a preacher of a large church, pastor of a large church. If I said his name, many of you would know his name. So we're all betting on something. Jesus is the one that said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. And I'm betting that he was right. I'm going to tell you this morning, don't you gamble on your eternity. Eternity is too important to gamble on. Either Jesus is the Christ or he's a fraud. Either Jesus is the Son of God, God in flesh, and the only way for man's sin problem to be dealt with or he is an absolute fraud. There's no room for him to be anything else. He's not just a good teacher. May I say this this morning? Many people who think they're Christians think this. Jesus is our example. He is the prime example, but following his example will not get you into eternity with God. Unless you could follow it perfectly. How many of you are exactly like Jesus? You have followed it just precisely. Nah. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, but not he. He was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So the point of the miracles this morning is to bring us specifically to the persuasion he is the Christ. He is the only one who can save a person from their sin, from the condemnation of their sin, from the power of sin over their life. May I say this? Because Jesus was the Christ, he is the Christ, which means... He is as able to give eternal life this morning as he was 2,000 years ago. The power of the gospel is that the gospel is about a person and that person is not dead, he's living. All you can do if you're a Buddhist is follow the philosophy of a dead man. Now, God loves Buddhists and Christ died to save them as well. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you this morning. All you can do as a Muslim is follow the philosophy of a dead man. But if you're a Christian, a true believer, you have the very life of Jesus Christ ministered to you from him because he's living. And so this morning, the intent of the message like this one today is very specific. It is to bring us to personal faith in Jesus Christ. You say, I'm already there. Then the intent is to solidify that faith in him, to help you know, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able. Many, many, profession, many folks in their profession of faith is this. 
I know who I have believed and I am persuaded that I'm able to follow him. That's what Peter said before he got converted. (laughs) I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded he got a good catch in me because I'm able to do what other disciples cannot. I'm able to be faithful. That's no good as a profession of faith. You'll fall flat. And so this morning, let's look at this leper. Such a simple, simple truth here this morning about what salvation looks like. I'll give you three points this morning. If you've heard this message preached before and you already have the points, don't lose me and don't miss what God wants to say to us from this today, okay? So as we look at the leper, verse 40, the first thing you'll notice is he is a, a leper. How many of us know his name? And there came, the Bible says, there came a what to him, to Jesus? A leper. Here's a man. How many of us know what this man did for a living? I have no idea. How many of you know where he was born? No, we don't have any idea. All we know about him is his life is defined by what is wrong with him. Some of us should be pretty plugged in by now. His life is defined by what is wrong with him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11 gives us a list of people who don't inherit the kingdom of God. Fornicators, adulterers, idolaters, effeminate, abusers of themselves and mankind... Uh, so on, liars, so, so on and so forth. People that are identified by their sin. We know people today, we don't, we don't know, we really don't know their background, we don't know their age, we don't know where they came from, but we sure know what's wrong with them because of the sin that characterizes their life, such as this man. And uh, here, he has a physical disease that is a perfect picture of a spiritual disease called sin. Leprosy throughout the Bible, it is defined very clearly in the book of Leviticus. The priests were told how to define when a person had leprosy. If you've ever read the book of Leviticus, there are times you say, I'm glad I'm not reading this while I'm trying to eat a meal. It's not a very pretty thing. It tells about how deep the sore is and what the sore looks like inside and if there's a hair growing out of the sore and what color that is and if the sore spreads in the body or if the disease spreads in the wall of a house. Leprosy was a a disease that would come and, and, and of course it as to any other disease spreads through the blood in a person but it manifests itself in sores on the body that would eat away your flesh. Have any of you ever had to deal with a brown recluse bite? I remember taking a man, I worked at a place one time, he was, um, uh, it was a transportation job that I had, and one of my fellow employees got bitten by a brown recluse while on the job, and so it was workers' comp that was paying, so I was running him back and forth to the doctor, and where he'd been bitten, it was rotting away his flesh. So they had to treat that to stop that. That's what leprosy does. It starts as a little spot, little by little it grows and eats at the flesh, and then you have another spot, and as I understand leprosy, your, your fingers can be uh, eaten away, your nose can be eaten away off of your face. It is a disease that by little and little corrupts your flesh so that you have running sores that infect other people and it by little just destroys the entire body. When you have leprosy, there comes a point you can't function in society. According to God's law, if you had leprosy, you were not allowed to live with everyone else, meaning if you got leprosy, you had to move out of your house so that your wife and children wouldn't catch it or your husband and children or your parents. So you had to go live in a place that was just for lepers, meaning your entire fellowship was designed and developed by what's wrong with you. There are men today, they don't have fellowship with their wives, they don't have fellowship with their children, they have fellowship with fellow drunkards. There are men today who cannot maintain a good marital relationship because they they find fellowship with other immoral people or people who love money, uh, so on and so forth. You see, there's an analogy between leprosy and sin. The leprosy would so affect the life that it would define the individual who had it. They had to walk around, according to the book of Leviticus, I believe chapter 13, crying, unclean, unclean. 
so that everybody knew you had the disease and you had, you, it messed, it, it messed with every part of your life, your home life, your social life. If you had leprosy, you could not involve yourself in the synagogue or the temple. You couldn't take part in worship with other people. It was defiling. It was demanding. It was destructive. And ultimately it was deadly. And thus it's a picture of sin. How many know that sin is likened to leaven? A little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. You know what? Sin generally starts small. I can't preach leprosy this morning without preaching on sin because leprosy is a picture of sin. Sin starts small. Uh, it starts, you know, either many a man, many a man or woman who becomes an embezzler has started small by cheating on a timesheet. Many a person who has become an adulterer or addicted to some kind of deep immoral practice started by simply looking at something somewhere they should not. Many a, many a perjured person started by lying to their parents when they were this big. And my point is sin never stays where it's at. It spreads. As it spreads, it eats away at your conscience, it eats away at your soul, it eats away at your joy, it eats away at your peace. Sin is no friend to any person. Sin, by the way, is simply this, disobedience to God. There's no simpler or clearer definition of sin than disobedience to God. And leprosy is a picture, it's a type of sin, and that if you and I have sinned, I remember at the earliest ages having a defiled conscience knowing I had done something wrong and that eating on my conscience because I knew I had done what I should not or had not done what I should. And so the point is this, that this man had a problem that defined his life. It demanded of him daily uh, the way he would live. It was leprosy that was running his life. There are many a person that would love to just simply be focused on their work. They would love to be focused on a relationship with a person like they ought to be a husband or wife or a relationship with their child. They would love to be able to function inside a church and serve God, but they cannot because some sin has taken over. The Bible says, whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. How many times have we picked up a sin thinking it's going to serve us? And then when we're ready to let go of it, it won't let go of us. You've heard stories and an application of people getting little snakes and get a little baby python. He's only that big when you buy him at this pet store. And boy, you feed that thing, and the more you feed him, the more he demands. You feed him one mouse today, and he wants two tomorrow. And every time you feed him, what does he do? Does he grow? Oh, yeah, he grows. Till one day, he's so great and so strong... He gets out of his cage, and instead of you feeding him, he's feeding on you. (laughs) Wraps himself around you and won't let you go. It's no wonder Satan's likened to a serpent. He says, feed me just a little. Isn't it fun? Isn't it fun to play with danger? You see, leprosy, so the man couldn't help it. He caught leprosy. You can't help you were born a sinner, but you were. You with me this morning? This man didn't go out looking for leprosy. It was part of the world he lived in, was it not? You know what, you may have a sin that's demanding of your life. You say, I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't trying to get into sin. It doesn't change the fact that it's defiling and demanding and defining of our lives, and ultimately it's destructive. Here's what happened, though. The man, when you have leprosy, there's one, there is one word that really defines your condition, and it was unclean. How many of you would like to be around someone, and, and I've had this. I remember a man I used to visit, and I'm not going to try to be not... Gross this morning, but this is the, the message we're in. 
And the man was, he had a lot of health problems and began to get ulcers on his feet. And I'd go in and his dogs would lick the ulcers on his feet. That was not the most pleasant visit I ever had. And just saying to you, sin is not pleasant, is it? And leprosy is a picture of sin because of its defiling nature. It influenced this man by defiling him, demanding of him, destructive to his body and deadly. It identified him and it isolated him from everything around him. It isolated him socially. It isolated him from his work. The lepers, as we've pointed out, had to live in a place completely separate from everyone else. Is this not what sin does? It isolates us from God. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 59, I believe it is, your sins have separated between you and your God. Here's a man that could not involve himself in the worship of God if he wanted to. The law of God kept him out. Same with us. Your relationship with God is marred through sin. Relationship with man is marred through sin. It's that that builds distrust. You know what what happened? If if you're around a leper, you want to stay away from him because you think you might give me what you've got. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. The Bible says, Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And so it is. Here's a man. The problem he had was he was a leper. You read of many lepers in the Bible. Think of Naaman in the Old Testament. Same picture, same analogy. But not only see the problem, I want you to notice very specifically the prayer he made. The Bible says in verse 40, And there came a leper to him. Came a leper to who? To Jesus. He came to Jesus. How, you say, how did he hear about Jesus? Well, verse 39 is probably the key. Look at verse 39. And he preached, speaking of Jesus, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. What did Jesus do? He went around preaching, preaching who he was, preaching that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, preaching that men needed to repent. This man had heard of Jesus with the ear through the preaching that was going on in the region of Galilee, verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying to him, If thou wilt, give me my marriage back. If thou wilt, give me my house back. If thou wilt, give me my place in the synagogue back. Is that what he said? Now, had he lost all those things? Certainly, according to God's word, he had lost all those things. But you realize he was not focused on getting... He might have said, look, I don't mind having leprosy, but I want to live my life like normal. What is his request? He said, if thou wilt, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. He knew that ultimately every other problem in his life was because he was unclean. You know what? This morning we can have conferences on family, and I'm not against that. We can have conferences on on finance, and we can have conferences on how to have church, and we have missions conferences, and all that is good. But may I say this? If you're still unclean in your sin, none of that does you any good. Because the problem in human relationship is sin. The problem in divine relationship is sin. The problem in our society is not money. It's not education. It's not politics. The problem is defilement through sin. Men walk around with a defiled and guilty conscience and are not looking for the solution to the real problem. Listen, you and I can't get a solution until we identify a problem. Here's a man, he knew what was wrong with him. He knew that what had messed his family up and what had messed his relationship in the synagogue up, if he ever had that, everything. his life was messed up through leprosy. Amen? And when, when we try to fix peripheral issues instead of dealing with the root, 
We're missing the mark. This morning, what, what hinders and harms men is sin. The wages of sin is death. That doesn't just mean your body stopping breathing. It means living things ceasing. You know what kills marriages? Sin. Do you know what, you know what will kill a joy? Sin. What will kill a pure conscience is sin. What will kill your worship of God is sin. This man knew that leprosy was what was wrong. He said, I need to be clean. My leprosy has made me filthy. I have no, you know, you have to know he could wash his sores every day and be just as filthy by afternoon as he was in the morning. He could wrap himself up with white cloth, but when he pulled them off, you know what it reminded him of? I'm unclean. He had a disease that was eating away at him, and the only hope for him was a miracle. I say this morning, we often try to clean lepers up. We try to repair uh, their homes by saying, well, let's bandage the leprosy. No, all you're going to do is spread more leprosy. So here this morning, his prayer uh, is, is he comes to, to the Lord this way. I'll give you a few things about his prayer. Number one, he is craving help. For lack of a better word, he is craving. The Bible says, and there came a leper to him. What's the word? Beseeching him. Beseeching. That word beseech carries the idea of begging, to implore, to pray with urgency, followed uh, by, by, by specifically to someone. So he's beseeching the Lord Jesus Christ. He's praying with urgency. He had a longing in his heart to be changed. He had a desire to be different than what he was. He was not satisfied. He didn't go around saying, we need to change the society. We have a society that hates lepers. They need to accept me as I am. We have a society that isolates us. No, we need to teach the society to embrace leprosy. Are you with me this morning? We have a society. No, no, we don't need to preach against drunkenness. We don't need to preach against covetousness. We don't need to preach against lust. We just need to embrace people as they are and all get it together. Sin has to be dealt with. And it was dealt with, by the way. On a cross 2,000 years ago, God provided a solution for sin. In a person, Jesus Christ. We have a, we have a lepers today say, I don't have any intention of being clean. I just want to get everybody else dirty with me. Not this man. He knew he only had one solution. Because of God's law, he was unclean. He was separate and he said, I desire to be changed. I can't clean myself, but Jesus, I know you can. He comes to the Lord Jesus with an urgency. He's beseeching the Lord Jesus Christ. He is craving to be made whole. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. One of the things I see, and I see this as a microcosm of our, of our culture at large, when I go into the jail and I preach to the inmates there, and I love those men. I love preaching to those men. I love hoping that God can use the, hear, the preaching they hear to change them. But I'll say this. One of, the, one of the difficulties of that ministry is going in and preaching to men and then listening. Boy, I tell you, it's amazing the audience you can get when men are in trouble. Men that would never darken the door of this building, they'll come to church at jail. And I tell them that, by the way, straight up. I say, when you get out of here, you'll never come hear me preach. So I'm going to pray you stay in jail because now you're hearing the preaching of the Bible. At least you're reading your Bible here. But that pattern tells me something. They want the consequences of sinful choices to go away, but they're not about ready to be made clean. I want to be dirty without it rotting my life. I want the pleasures of sin, but I don't want the consequences. 
And I said I believe it is a microcosm of so much of the thinking in our American culture is we are more than happy to be remorseful over the consequences of sin. But here's a man that said, I want my leprosy gone. I don't want to live as though I don't have leprosy while I do. I need changed. I am unclean. Have you ever come to the place where you realize in the sight of God you're unclean? That your heart is unclean? Has God ever reproved you and shown you that there is filth, sinful motives in your heart? Do you know what happens out of sinful motives of the heart? Sinful thoughts of the mind, sinful actions of the flesh, and sinful words of the mouth flow. But the only hope for man is his heart could be made clean. That's why David said, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. It's why he asked the Lord to, to give him a new heart, create a new heart within me, a new spirit within me. In Psalm 51, he knew the problem was that he was unclean. Here's a man, he's begging God not to make his life better, but to change him into a new man. Don't ask Jesus to give you a better life. Ask him to make you a new person. That's his business. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a... New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have a religion today that just tells you to have a good life and then drop into eternity in hell. Friend, that won't help you. No, no, we're unclean. This man knew he had death looking down the line. That's what he was looking forward to, is death. And he comes to Christ and says, I'm beseeching you. So we find his craving of the Master. You find his attitude is one of contrition. Verse 40 says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, that's his craving, and kneeling down to him. He recognizes who Christ is. May I say this? There's so many, and you hear, and I don't want to take all my sermons to talk about all that's being done wrong, but there's so many voices out there that are preaching another Christ today. He's not merely a good example for you to try to emulate. Friend, he's king of kings and lord of lords. While we were in Mexico, my Spanish is very limited. I'm working on it very limited. We had an elderly gentleman. He, uh, I don't know what his job was. He was resting under a tree in the shade. He's probably 75 or 80 years old. I think you were with me, right? I caught this in Spanish. We gave him the John and Romans. He thanked us. And then he said, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. I said, praise God. There was a man that was rejoicing that we were giving him the gospel and he knew specifically who Christ was and he, with a big smile on his face, told us in Spanish, Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. I tell you what, that's who he is this morning. And that's why this man had every confidence. He doesn't say, Lord, if you can, you can make me whole. That's what... We had a man in Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 17, his little boy possessed of a devil, and he says to Jesus, if thou canst do anything, help us. Meaning, I'm not sure you can do anything. My problem is so big, and the devil's had so much control. I don't know if you can take care of it, but if you can, please help. Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible him to believe it. You know what the leper said, though? I've got something that doctors can't cure. I've got something that I can't cure. I've got something my wife can't cure. I've got something that the ruler of the synagogue can't cure. But I know who you are, and I know you can cure it if you're willing to. That's why he's about ready to get saved. He had no lack of confidence in the person of Jesus Christ. He didn't say, I know that I can follow your regimen if you hand it to me. He said, I know if thou wilt... 
thou canst make me clean. He's kneeling down to him. He's contrite, understanding who Jesus Christ is. And then we find his confidence, as we just said it. He said, if thou wilt, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Lord, if you are willing to help me, I have no doubt in your ability. I just don't know if you're willing to help a guy like me. I'm a leper. I don't know if you're willing. And so we find the man's problem. We find his prayer. The prayer was given with a craving desire to be clean. He had a contrition toward the Savior and confidence that the Lord Jesus could help him. Number three, we find his purification. Verse 41, And Jesus moved with compassion. Isn't it wonderful when you can move the Son of God? Isn't that amazing? See, that's not possible. He's sovereign. You can't move him. Don't tell me. The Bible says this man moved him. The man's contrition moved the heart of the Savior. Jesus moved with compassion. By the way, you can do the opposite to the Lord Jesus as well. How many of you know that Jesus went into his own hometown, and the Bible says, and he could do no great miracle there? What? How did he get limited from... Nobody can limit God. Well, in his own hometown, he couldn't do much because of their... Help me, class. Unbelief. God moves on faith. If there's anything clear in the Bible, that's it. You know what will move God on your situation? You trust Him. You trust Him implicitly as who He is. He's God. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. And when there was a man that said, I have absolute confidence in you, the Bible says Jesus moved with compassion. Look, look what it says next. Verse 41, Jesus moved with compassion, compassion put forth His hand and... He touched a leper. He touched him. Would you touch a leper? The man's nasty. He's got running sores on him. The Bible says Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, and I love these two words in this text, I will. You know what happened? When this man was willing to let Jesus cleanse him, the Lord was willing to do it. I challenge any Bible student, find me any time in Scripture that someone approached the Son of God by faith that they did not get what they approached Him for. Find me one account where someone who was possessed of a devil and besought Christ by faith to be healed that was not to have that devil cast out. You said, the rich young ruler ran to Him, but not in faith. He ran to Him demanding, saying, what must I do to have eternal life? And when Jesus told him, He said, nope. If that's the way, I don't want it. <laughs> and he went away sorrowful. But here, here's a man. He said, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, moved with compassion, meaning feeling the pain. The Bible says he, was, he has been touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Meaning Christ, knowing the situation he was in and having a heart for him, did something about it. Reached forth and touched him, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And over the next six months, little by little, the leprosy began to depart. No. Verse 42, and as soon as he had, what's the next thing say? Spoken. I've circled it in my Bible. Immediately, the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. How hard is it for Jesus Christ to cleanse a sinner? Ain't hard at all. If we'll trust him for who he is, he has the power. That's why Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. 
Now, here's what happens. You don't see this, but you have to understand the Greek to get a hold of this. Uh, Jesus said, you know I'm being facetious. He says to them, I will, I will, but if you don't do everything the way I say, I'm going to put your leprosy back on you. So I'm going to cleanse it, but it's your job to keep yourself clean. Is that what he said? No, but that's what he did with blind people when he healed them. I'll take away your blindness, but if you're not a perfect disciple of mine, then I'm going to give it back. Not one time in Scripture do you ever find that. In fact, after Jesus would heal people, he might give them some instruction like he did this man. And I'll give you, we'll say some more about that in a moment. But generally, he would make this statement. Thou art whole, go thy way. Blind Bartimaeus was blind and Jesus healed him. And Jesus told him, go thy way. You know where, you know where Bartimaeus went? Right after Jesus. <laughs> he had no other friends. You know, when you're a wretched, wretched rotten sinner, you'll get to the place where you have no other friends either. <laughs> Only the Lord Jesus Christ. My point is this this morning. Upon his prayer of confidence and contrition, he had deliverance immediately. We see the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ. You find in 1 Peter chapter 5. Let me read there very quickly because it's applicable here. 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 6 and 7. We understand verse 7. We hear it quoted much. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. That's God's compassion but verse 6 is key to verse 7. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. God's salvation requires humility. God's salvation requires me to say, I am what I do not desire to be and I have no power to change myself. Hear me well this morning, please. False religion is man's endeavor to clean himself up to be acceptable to God. False religion is man's endeavor to make himself clean, clean enough to be acceptable to God. God's way of salvation is, my son Jesus Christ has to clean you to make you acceptable to me. False religion is what I do for God. Salvation is what God does for you. This morning you say, I'm going to heaven because I... Some think they're going to heaven because they're a good disciple. If that's so, then Peter's not in heaven today. He wasn't always a very good disciple. The pastor, you're promoting sin. I'm preaching truth this morning. If there's anybody sitting in this room to say, well, I'm a perfect disciple, I always obey perfectly. I'm not worthy to be in the room with you. I endeavor to obey perfectly, but in my greatest endeavor... The only way I ever obey perfectly is when I obey by faith in the Son of God. Lord, I'm going to obey in your strength, not my own. Because if I could obey in my own strength, I don't need a Savior, do you? You know what? If this man can clean himself, why do you need Jesus? But the Bible says when he prayed by faith, he put his faith in Christ. Jesus moved with compassion. Immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. How many remember the story of Naaman in 2 Kings chapter 5? You remember the story? This proud man who had leprosy it was going to destroy his career as a captain in the Syrian army. And a little girl, that we don't even have her name, says there's a prophet in Israel. She didn't say there's a king in Israel. She says there's a prophet in Israel, and if you'll go, he'll, he'll heal you. So he, being at his wit's end, says, well, we might as well try it. And they go over, and instead of going to the prophet, they go to the king. And the king says, I can't help you. 
What's this man trying to start a war with me? And so Elisha the prophet says, tell Naaman to come to me. You tell him to come to me. So when Naaman comes to Elisha's house, Naaman, Elisha won't even go out and talk to him. He sends his servant. says, tell him to go, go dip in the river Jordan seven times and he'll be whole. And it offended the man. The Jordan, that dirty little creek of a river. And that's basically what he said. And he was angry. And he said, he's trying to humiliate me. He won't even come. I thought he would surely come out and strike his hand over the place and make me whole. And he's telling me to go dunk in the river like a little child. And his servants entreated him and said, if he had told you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done that? And by faith, Naaman said, because it's the word of God. So you go dip in the Jordan River seven times, you'll be whole. By faith, he went down there and dunked seven times. And the Bible says, after he had obeyed by faith, he came up clean immediately. Whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the picture of salvation is process or immediately. Now, I'm giving you two illustrations. I could probably stand here and give you a hundred more. Immediately, 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 this man was made whole. When you put your trust in Christ to cleanse you, you know what he does? He cleanses you. Romans 10, 13 says it this way, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. That's in the context of calling with your heart by faith, not praying some magic prayer. A heart by faith. I'm trusting the Son of God to make me new. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord might be saved. You can hope you may get it. No. Whosoever should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now let's notice this. There was an immediate cleansing of the man, verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him. He was cleansed. And he straightly charged him. Now we come to the commandments. As is, let's, let's, let's just slow down for just a second. At this point, the end of verse 42, is the man still a leper or not? He is not. He is no longer a leper because he no longer has leprosy. He's cleansed. Verse 43, and he straightly, this is Jesus talking to him, charged him and forthwith sent him away and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now, don't miss this. Jesus had a specific plan for this man. He said, I want you to follow the law. Now that you're clean, you're supposed to go show yourself to the priest. They're going to examine you, and they're going to know you're clean. And when you do, it's going to be a testimony. Because they're going to say, what happened? And you're going to be able to say, Jesus cleansed me. Now, what does the man do? He says in verse 45, but, that's a key word, he went out, and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. And because he did not obey, the leprosy came back. That's what some people teach. You with me this morning now? You know what? Let's just be very clear. Did the man obey the Lord Jesus Christ? No, he did not. Let's go a step further. Did he disobey him? Did his leprosy come back? Why? See, if you and I were Savior, we'd be giving him back. Well, you don't deserve to keep it. He never deserved to get it. What did he do to earn cleansing? What did he do to earn to keep it? By grace. The Lord Jesus touched him. Let me help you something this morning. When God saved you, what did you do to earn his cleansing? Then what are you doing to earn it and keep it? Hear me this morning. 
when we teach, I want to say very clearly and plainly, this is validated in the book of Galatians. When we teach, you are saved by faith in Christ, but you are kept saved by your faithfulness to Christ. It's a false gospel. For by grace are ye, that's present tense, right now. No matter what day you're saved, it's grace that saved you and keeps you saved. None of us deserve to be cleaned, but it's the Savior who cleanses once and for all. The Bible says, John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You say, are we teaching that it's okay to disobey? No, what's being highlighted is that God saved this man from his leprosy by grace. He didn't earn it. He didn't earn to keep it. He didn't earn to get it. He didn't work to get it. He didn't work to keep it. And you say, well, is it okay? And look, we can defend him. If I had my leprosy healed, you know what I would want to go do? Go tell everybody. By the way, that ought to be a secondary lesson. How is it that if he got cleansed, he couldn't keep his mouth shut? Now, we can't get Christians to open theirs up. We can't get anybody to tell the grocery uh, person at the grocery store, hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. Oh, they, they might think I'm weird. They might come to believe on Christ. Amen? Ah, this morning, I'm not, we just have to be clear. He didn't obey, but he still wasn't a leper. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Now, let me just say this. Did his disobedience have a consequence? The Bible spells it out. He hindered what the Lord was trying to do. When you and I don't obey the Lord, we hinder the gospel. It doesn't cause you to lose your salvation, but you and I sure do hinder what God's doing. It's very important we do exactly what he says, the way he says to do it, because he's the one who's what? If he's God enough to save us, he's God enough to govern us. Amen? Thank Timothy 1.12. Let's close there this morning. Paul we read in the bulletin earlier. We're going to read it now. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. We'll read it in its entirety. He says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, to my suffering for the gospel's sake. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Normally what we suffer for causes us shame, but he said, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Maybe you're here this morning. And I, I want to be careful with invitations. It seems to me that the preaching is an invitation in itself. If you are here this morning, and in your conscience you know you're defiled in sin, say, I don't know how to deal with my defilement. You have to take it to a person. Jesus Christ dealt with your sin when he died on the cross. That's why he said it is finished. What God requires as payment for man's sin has been taken care of. Your payment has been made. Jesus Christ died, one, Christ died once for all. He paid for every man's sin. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, 1 John 2, 2 tells us. He tasted death for every man, Hebrews tells us. He tasted death for every man. This morning you may be here and say, I'm unclean. I'm like the leper. I have a sin that controls my life. It defines who I am. It isolates me. It, it, I, 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 Pastor... The analogy of sin, oh, I got it. Then let's respond the way he did. You realize Christ is living right now? Let me ask you something. 
Is Jesus Christ alive enough right now to hear a prayer of a sinner just like you heard that leper on that day? I can tell you the authority of God's word. If you're a sinner this morning, unclean in sin, and you turn to Jesus Christ, now you don't have to wait till we play a song and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I want to be clean. I'm sick of my sin. I want to be clean. You know what he'll do for you? He'll cleanse you. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's because Christ keeps his word. Now, this morning you may be here Say, well, I've asked Christ to save me, but I have not always responded in obedience to his commands since he cleansed me. Where am I? Let's use some East East Tennessee terminology. You need to straighten up. (laughs) Do what Christ says. If he cleansed you, obey him. Amen. And this morning, if he's cleansed you, go tell who he tells you to tell. You know what he said? You go right down there to those high priests and you show them what I did for you. He told a man in the Gadarenes, you're not coming with me. You go back and find your friends. You tell them how great things God has done for you. I promise you, he wants you to tell somebody. But let him do the directing. He is the Lord. He is the master. Maybe this morning you say, I know he's cleansed me, but I'm, I'm not obeying. Well, then let's obey him. Amen. He cleansed you that you might.